Shared Interest Podcast. Welcome to episode number four. I play the part of the host. I am Tommy. Today, Mixed Martial Arts, the UFC. Share our thoughts on where the UFC is now as we head into UFC 200 in Las Vegas coming up in July. But first, how about a little icebreaker? My favorite way to break the ice is to start with some history. I didn't get into the UFC right at the beginning, and I'm not exactly sure where it came from. Let's wiki up and find out how we got to UFC 200. Shared Interest Podcast, episode number four on UFC MMA starts right now. Wow Promotions produced the first event, later called UFC 1. At McNichols Sports Arena in Denver on November 12, 1993. The show proposed to find an answer for sports fans' questions such as, Can a wrestler beat a boxer? UFC 1 used an eight man tournament format. The tournament featured fights with no weight classes or judges. The two rules, no biting or eye gouging, were to be enforced only by a $1,500 fine. Holy shit. So back in 1993, they created this thing as an eight-man tournament. For historians, that is going to be Royce Gracie that won that first tournament. So congrats to Royce Gracie. He picked up 50 large for that win. Also fighting that night in Denver was Ken Shamrock. So Royce Gracie, Ken Shamrock at UFC 1. Amazing. So how did it do? The show proved extremely successful with 87,000 television subscribers on pay-per-view. Eventually UFC president Dana White said, that show was only supposed to be a one-off. It did so well on pay-per-view they decided to do another, and another. Never in a million years did these guys think they were creating a sport. Created a promotion because they thought they could sell the can a boxer beat a wrestler angle, and it just blew up. Go figure, if you put two guys in a cage and tell them no eye gouging, no biting, but otherwise go ahead and kill each other, a lot of people are going to show up to watch that. They immediately realized that they could turn it into a franchise, and they did. So here we are at UFC 200, 20 some odd years later, but it was not without some controversy, and I certainly don't want to shy away from that. The morality and the legislation and the regulation around the concept of combat sports and two people in a cage, no eye gouging, no biting, fairly safe, I would say, with those guidelines in place. However, if there's one thing I know about people, it's people like to tell other people what they can and can't do. Just because the combat sport participants are willing to enter the octagon and lay it on the line, that doesn't mean that they should be allowed to, according to some. Senator John McCain. I mean, I've seen people repeatedly getting smashed in the face with a guy sitting on top of them. That's not a sport. That's, that's a throwback to the Roman Colosseum. The Roman Colosseum? Uh, I don't think it's anything like being fed to a lion. I mean, that's what he means by Roman Colosseum, right? That has to be the context, is the idea that the um, Christians, I believe, were fed to the lions by the Catholics because they weren't devout Catholics. You can nitpick me on the religious specifics of that whole thing, but I, I don't know any other context of Roman Colosseum the way he just used it other than to say, uh, hey, bub, you're going to be fed to a lion because we don't like the way you think. And that seems to be hella different than two guys who are trained fighters that are experts in their craft, 
have spent years dedicating themselves to training to come up with a discipline they want to become prize fighters and they want to go fight for a purse and they're going to square off willingly against each other i don't see that as being very similar to anything that happened in the roman Colosseum, as far as the history that i'm aware of that's the type of rhetoric that comes around this thing so playing devil's advocate and saying okay yeah it is it is a brutal combat sport and there's a possibility that somebody could die in the ring and in fact it's not just a possibility there's already occurrences of it as far as i know in boxing boxing again remains legal sanctioned and regulated and widely promoted in fact referred to as the sweet science i'm not sure what the sweet science on brain injury is i would say that if you're going to stake out this faux moral high ground where you're so concerned about the health of the participants, so concerned, in fact, that you would take the extreme step to ban the sport altogether or to take even a further step to not even call it a sport. So don't ban it because it's a sport. Simply try to delegitimize it and compare it to a person being fed to a lion. I think that there's a lot of intellectual dishonesty to that, and obviously there's clear hypocrisy to it, but it's a common thread throughout society for the most part. It's alcohol's okay, it's legal and regulated, yet certain other substances are controlled and illicit. It just seems very random the way these things are selected, and the enforcement seems to be more of a narrative or an agenda-based type of thing. That diatribe aside, I will always come out philosophically that people should be allowed to do whatever they please um, to a certain point. There was a great Supreme Court justice who once made a statement paraphrasing that your right to swing your fist ends when it touches my nose. Chuck Liddell has never showed up in my house to knock me out. You know, he does his business in the ring against other professionals in the octagon, I guess I should say, not ring. And I don't think that anyone has the moral position to tell them that that's inappropriate and they can't do it. It's a shakedown without going off on a conspiracy theory rant. I've already given my hey bro philosophy rant. I'll save all additional rants for another time because I have my good friend Greg ready to go to bring the fun back into the spirited conversation and the shared interest in MMA and the UFC. What's up, bud? Hey, man. So I did a little bit of history in the intro to this podcast, which there's no way you could have heard yet, but how did you get into MMA and what are your earliest memories of watching UFC? You know, it's funny because when it first really uh, started, I'd say obviously earlier back in the 2000s, probably even back in the 90s, I really wasn't a big fan of it. Uh, you know, coming from my WWE days, you know, you get used to watching a certain type of entertainment, I'll say. And, uh, you know, this new stuff came out that was actually real and you saw people beating the holy, you know, what out of each other. It was different. Uh, some of my earliest moments were probably just Chuck Liddell. You had uh, Randy Couture. Um, I didn't get to see too much of like the, the early, early guys like Boss Root and those guys. The first time I probably ordered a pay-per-view at my house, geez, I can't remember who was fighting. I know Tito Ortiz was on the card. I know Liddell was on the card. But you know, pretty much before that, it was always, uh, oh, you know, well, if it couldn't come on pay-per-view, I'd you know, check it out to see what it was about. 
but there's just so much backstory and history and legislation to it. And, you know, now, as I'm sure you know, and you may have mentioned in the open, and now it's finally going into New York. And that's that's kind of a cool transition because one of the things that I wanted to to make front and center in the podcast about MMA and UFC is, mm-hmm. you know, what's the morality of combat sports and of boxing and Muhammad Ali's passing is something that was in the news. Um, you know, it's not for me to say what Ali's place in history was. I wasn't there for essentially his entire career and his impact on society and all that stuff. But one of the nuanced things about that is his declining state had to do with likely the fact that he was getting punched in the head. But philosophically, I approach it that he was a, he was a grown man and he was a known man and he, he made decisions not unlike MMA or football or something. How do you really approach the morality of it? What's your quick and dirty take on the morality of it and how it gets legislated? I would say my quick take is it, it is no different than football in that these guys, well, especially now, they know the risks. They know exactly what could happen. I mean, there was a MMA fighter who died earlier this year, uh, one of Conor McGregor's buddies. But that whole retirement fiasco came out. They thought that was part of it, was that he had saw one of his buddies die, and he it kind of freaked him out a little bit. You know, if, if you want to get in a cage, take punches, throw punches, hit, hit a guy, get hit, you know that lights out, party's over, you're gone. I mean, that's just the long and skinny of it. Same with boxing. I mean, Duke what was this guy in Duke Kim or whatever his name was, a dive marine, and you know the risk. You live in this country to be able to say, yep, I want to do that, or nope, I don't. The legislative process to me kind of gets into that without being conspiratorial. It gets into that area where it's kind of corrupt. And the reasons that yeah. the, the legality of the fight game, anyone feign the protection of of a person as a reason why the sport should not be allowed to proceed. So to say, oh my God, you're putting yourself in at risk and you're going to have brain damage. And I I mean, are they saying anything that's not already known? Why, why would you try to stop that? I won't, I'm not going to get into this at all, but I'll say this. It all goes down to money. I mean, case in point, and I don't know if you've been following it, the UFC is for sale and the, the, the Fertitta brothers, are taking no less, they're, they're taking bids right now, no less than $4 billion. It's a huge industry. Yeah, so, I mean, think about where it started, what it was. You know, it was kind of this forbidden thing. Most states didn't want it. Very few did. And then now, UFC 200 is going to be probably the highest grossing event ever as far as a pay-per-view. I know I'm buying it. If you look at this card, top to bottom, I mean, Daniel Cormier versus John Jones. I think, um, you know, after their first fight, I just don't see how Cormier is going to get any better to beat him. To me, the, the type of fighters who are going to give John Jones the most problems are like the Gustafsons of the world, so the taller, the leaner guys. The, the guys who just want to go to the mat and wrestle, he'll stuff to take down. I mean, he's so athletic. I mean, when you have, I know he has one brother, obviously, he plays for the Cardinals. He has another brother who's in football or in, in another sport or something. But, I believe Albert Jones of Baltimore Ravens. He was a Super Bowl champion Raven when they beat the uh, Niners. So he actually got his ring yeah, before so. Chan, um, Chandler got his with the Patriots. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the guy's just so freakish. That's the obvious freakish stuff. But this guy, I mean, I just don't see how Cormier can take him down enough, keep him down enough. I just don't think he, I mean, not saying Terry hits hard, but I don't think he can get within the reach of Jones. That's kind of, you know, from the first fight, from what I remember seeing, it was, you know, Jones pretty much kept him at bay, and Cormier couldn't get in and take him down. So I don't see much of a difference there. I mean, obviously, they're really going to fight. It's not wrestling, but is there a, right. how much shtick is there to 
Brock Lesnar returning to the octagon to take on the Super Samoan Mark Hunt. If you if you're not familiar with New Zealand's Mark Hunt, uh, you're not alone. A lot of people aren't familiar with this guy. He's ranked number eight. They're not exactly pitting Brock Lesnar up against someone who's a belt contender. Well, first you have to say his name right. It's Brock Lesnar. Okay. And anybody who watches WWE will understand that. Um, but you know, actually, I, I will say this: you know, Lesnar's such a smart businessman. When he negotiated his contract, you know, nobody knew that he put an out clause in it that says, "Yeah, I can fight UFC again," which was brilliant business mind. I mean, that gets it. So, to the fight though, he couldn't have had a worse opponent pick for him. The reason why, um, for people who don't know, go back and watch a few Mark Hunt's fights. One of them was Stefan Struve. The guy, Stefan Struve, is like seven feet tall. He knocks him the uh, bleep out clean. Just Mark Hunt is one of the most powerful punchers you will see. I mean, obviously, I would never have the nuts to say this in front of Brock Lesnar, but while I'm here on a podcast that he's never going to hear, let me say it. That's a dumb-looking tattoo, bro. Yeah, even Mike Tyson thinks you look a little silly. Yeah, I don't think they could have picked, like I said, a worse opponent for Lesnar. It's hard to get Hunt down just because of his, he's so wide. I mean, he's five foot ten, but he's 240 pounds. And if he connect, I mean, it, obviously in MMA, anybody connects once the right way, but he can connect once and knock Lesnar into next year. That, that's how good of a boxer this guy is. Vegas is not stupid. Vegas has inserted Mark Hunt at minus 170. It's not like the people out there are expecting Brock Lesnar yeah. to come in and have a, a, a great success in this bout. So I think you broke it down exactly correct. The yeah. fight that interests me the most and the one that my, my heart is in the most is Junior Aldo against Frankie Edgar. And for whatever reason, for, for the time that I've been watching the UFC Jose Aldo is just my absolute favorite. I love the guy, everything about him. I love his style. And he takes on a guy who I really don't appreciate that much, although I probably should, and that's Frankie Edgar. It's impossible for me to have an unbiased take on this. I hope Aldo whips the shit out of him. So let me give you the floor. What do you have? Well, I tell you, the, one of the first fights I ever saw your fight, unfortunately, I missed his trilogy with Ray Maynard, which I heard was just phenomenal fights. I mean, just knocked down, drag out brawls. But the first time I ever watched him fight, was against Benson Henderson. This is back in probably 2011, 2012. And Henderson landed the, the most insane upkick I've ever seen. Pretty much shattered his nose. Blo- I mean, just should have knocked, would have knocked any normal man out. And that guy just kept coming, coming, ended up losing. But the last fight Aldo had, he got knocked out in, what, 18 seconds by McGregor? Yeah. Uh, it, so, that was I mean, unfortunate for Jose. That was... Uh, and then Connor tweeted out a very famous picture of yeah, it was taken from the perspective of the ground looking up at McGregor. And McGregor also has a chest tattoo. And unlike Brock Lesnar, I will say nothing bad about Connor's in Connor's love what he's done there. But anyway, the picture was perspective looking up at him and it said, wake up, Jose, it's over. And I was just, oh, that's stung. And it's not that I dislike McGregor, um, but I wanted jose to win that fight he did not and then to have the the ultimate there's there's no retort to that it's wake up jose it's over and it was it was over fast and i would have loved to see a rematch in that but when the fight is over who's joe rogan going to be talking to oh geez i would probably lean aldo just because i think after what happened to him against mcgregor he's probably coming back saying all right you know that was a one-time fluke deal i'm gonna start running roughshod like i was for years and so I'm, I'm leaning towards Aldo. Speaking of Joe Rogan, there's a good transition. I am a huge Rogan guy, so talk about something else that I can't really be unbiased about. Where do you come down on Joe Rogan 
and how he calls the fights. You know, I will say there are times when I listen to him and I just, I'm literally, I'm usually with a group of friends and I'm sitting there and we just all look at each other and say, to ourselves, you'll say to each other, is he stoned? Is he high off a of Coke? I mean, <laughs> what is, I mean, some of the stuff he comes out with, you're like, but, uh, you know, it's, he's found his niche because he's just different in that, you know, he just really marches to his own beat. And I really don't think he cares. Well, when you're broadcasting to the amount of people that, that consume the UFC, it's like anything. You're going to have some people that can't stand you no matter what you do. You're going to have some people that love you no matter what you do. And you're going to have the bulk of the people in between those extremes that really are apathetic about the whole thing. They're, somebody's got to call the fight, so it might as well be Rogan. Who cares? I tell you, the, the fight that I'm coming to the too, and we, uh, um, we didn't talk about it yet, Keith Velasquez. I want to see how he bounces back after his loss to Verdun down in Brazil. Or no, they're Mexico City. I'm sorry, not Brazil. Mexico City, which is akin to basically fighting in Denver, Colorado times two because of the the altitude. He right. didn't train down there. I, I watched Keith Velasquez run circles around Junior Dos Santos and every other fighter as far as cardio, but then he goes up against this guy two rounds, he's gassed. So there's definitely some good fights coming down the pike depending on how this goes. And, you know, it's just a shame, unfortunately, that McGregor couldn't work with UFC enough to be on 200. Can you imagine if he was fighting on this card, too? So Vegas turns into a completely crazy place when McGregor is there. And, and having witnessed that, it's, it's really quite remarkable. Um, I mean, you've been to Vegas. I've been to Vegas. Most people... Well, 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 let me ask you this before you go on. Hold on a second. Uh, I've been going to Vegas. You say it gets crazy. Are we talking crazy as in just a great, you know, fun, great atmosphere? Or are we talking crazy as in England and Russia Euro Cup where everybody just loses their mind over a stupid soccer game? It's, you know, it's got trace elements of that whole soccer shenanigans thing in there. For the most part, it's just it's a bunch of drunk people, and um, they've got excessive amounts of Irish pride, and they're you know right. playing the part of you know. It, there's a lot of youth involved too, so I, I'm not I don't come down too hard on people who cut loose and they should do whatever they want. There was a pretty famous right, yeah, picture. I wasn't at the MGM when it happened, but after Connor's win, there were people who were jumping on top of you know the big lion in the lobby. There were so they had to pull down the guys right. wearing the you know, the shamrock hats and climbing on top of the MGM lion and stuff. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I'd say they were doing types of stuff that you just, the casino's not going to allow you to do. You, you know, the slot machines that have the car in the middle and it spins around and you can, win the, yeah, they're so they're running up and jumping in the car and vroom, vroom. Oh, good Lord. And it's like, yeah. The, and there weren't men in suits with earpieces coming No, out. there were. They didn't last long. In the, they were not out for a Sunday drive, I'll tell you that. that the, time, the amount of time that they spent inside the car on top of the slot machines was not long. That was measured in seconds. But, yeah, I would imagine so. So, yeah, there's just some hooliganism that comes along with it. I don't know that Vegas will explode quite the same way for Cormier Jones at 200, but because you had made the analogy, imagine what would happen. If you added Connor to this, it would... It would be a can't-miss event, in my opinion. Let me go ahead and wrap it up here and ask for final thoughts on UFC, not specific necessarily to UFC 200, but close out the podcast with some final thoughts on MMA UFC. You know, I'm I'm really really interested to see, obviously, number one, how Lesnar does. Um, You know, there's people out there saying it's going to, you know, he's going to look weak because he's doing this fake fighting stuff and whatever. Um, I'm still kind of anxious to see if CM Punk ever decides to, from what I've read and what I've heard, his training, he's absolutely terrible at it. Um, 
he's not really, you know, being 37, 38 years old and get to do it for the first time, probably not the smartest thing to do, but, you know, we'll see. And then, um, you know, obviously the, the two $64,000 questions, as they say, is number one, is Rousey going to come back? You know, does she need to? And then, um, you know, McGregor, can he beat Diaz and get back to the level that, I mean, I don't think he, he didn't lose much. I mean, they lost and pretty much every MMA fighter loses. I mean, there's never been one that's undefeated, but we'll be interested to see the, the rhetoric, if it's up or for this fight, or if it's just, you know, if he just goes in and says, and like what he said, when he didn't want to do all the pressers, look, I'm, I'm a fighter and I'm trained to fight. And I think if he just tones it down a little bit, I think, you know, and then goes into the fight, beats Diaz, like I think he will this time, then I think you'll see the Conor McGregor of old back, and that is never a bad thing. Okay, I agree. So I hope Conor bounces back, <laughs> and I, I think that's a great way to close the show is because Conor is the biggest name in the sport, and even though he's yes. on whatever status, hiatus that he's on now, it's... Uh, I think he will be humbled when he comes back. I think that that's, you know, pretty much who he is. He took his loss like a man and he, you know, he has to go lick his wounds. And if he comes back and, and dominates, I think that you'll hear him talk about him dominating. I, I don't think that that will be a stretch at all. I think that Connor will be real with the result. And I think that you can't ask for much more than that. And I think that's why MMA is continues to be such a, a fun sport to, to watch and to follow Thanks for making some time to come on. Um, I look forward to doing another pod with you soon on uh, some football stuff that's coming up. Today, we didn't really tap into your encyclopedic knowledge, if that's even a word, but on a future pod, we certainly will. Thanks for coming on, bud. All right. Anytime, man. Look forward to it. Winters are just like the sun.